Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat, the weekly Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live. Joining me to look back on Saturday's 1-0 defeat at Cambridge United are Jack Ball and Chris Serrington. Hi, guys. Good morning, morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever whatever it is. Whatever time you're listening to us, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. And wherever you are in the world. Yes, because yeah, we, we do have listeners we do, all, yeah. over, all over the globe. Yeah, people would be surprised. We've got our Scottish people, of course, who mm. uh, sent a few questions in last week for Derek Adams. Yeah, we'll look forward to, to seeing them uh, on the pre-season tour to Scotland that Brian Lowe was talking yeah. about last week, Stu, and talking about maybe playing Rangers, which would be... Uh, I'll go look playing Rangers at Ibrox that'd be quite Imagine cool that. wouldn't it yeah, yeah that'd be alright that was fun last week though wasn't it yes to get Ryan on, on the podcast yeah we had um, we had great feedback didn't we um, absolutely so thank you for those who, who got in touch and um, yeah it's not always easy to get special guests but you know we, we try our best and Ryan I thought was very he was very amenable wasn't he, he walked walked in to, to see us in the boardroom <laughs> carrying his lunch and um, was, was chomping away and uh, no I thought he was in in really good form Absolutely. and nice of the RL manager to have a chat with us and he was in no rush was he you no know, no I mean I think we'd have probably pushed it a little bit longer to be honest he was quite happy um, sat yeah. talking football with us so. and he also said to us as well you know fire anything at me ask me mm. whatever you like it, yep. you know he's open to every question so um, and the 20 uh, questions worked really well as well yeah that was like, fun wasn't it I think credit where credit is due the questions for 20 questions were drawn up by Jack and Stu <laughs> and uh they were great, and I must admit, I listened back to the podcast. And of, he was really struggling, wasn't he? Over he some he of took them. them very seriously, didn't he? It was, it was great. I must say, though, I cannot believe that his favourite type of pasty is a Ginsters. I know Ginsters sponsor our gala and what have you, but come on, Ryan. He get was, out and have a problem. He was pasty. so in the company line he there, was, wasn't he? <laughs> Although a lot of the fans have been offering to buy him pasty, so maybe it was a very clever thing for him to say. Yeah. Absolutely. Right then, guys, let's uh, talk more serious things. Um, Chris, you were up at Cambridge on Saturday. Yes. Always a, yeah. Nightmare of a journey and yeah. not a tricky place to go as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so it's, it's a long way to go, isn't it? As um, any members of the Green Army will know, uh, a 1-0 defeat. Um, they just didn't play at all in the first half. Nowhere near the level that was needed. Um, what makes it worse is that Cambridge were there for the beating. Um, some of the people at Cambridge said oh, they, they played quite well, and, and they, they did. But there's no reason why Argyle playing the way they had done recently couldn't have won that game fairly comfortably but no excuses the first half wasn't good enough Cambridge were one up at the break could have been more Argyle did improve in the second half um, certainly the introduction of George Cooper made a difference got Argyle going forward um, but for all the possession and pressure they had in the closing stages you know, clear cut scoring chances were few and far between and uh, it was just that it, it was not as bad as the Exeter City game, but it was one of those where you think things are ticking along quite nicely and then they just throw in a 45-minute performance like that and um, it leaves you with question marks. 
this is the thing, and we've spoken about it on the podcast as well. It, it sums up League Two for me. Mm. You know, Argyle have had a fantastic run of, mm. of results recently, and League Two is that type of league where you can go to a Cambridge or have yeah. Morecambe at home and, and slip up. Yeah, uh, I suppose. It's inconsistency. We've spoken about that before. And even Ryan did last week, yeah. didn't he, on the, on the podcast. And fourth division, League Two players are probably going to be inconsistent because if they weren't inconsistent, if they were, if they were consistent, then they'd be playing at a higher level, wouldn't they? Yeah. But you looked at them in the first half and you think, you know, come on, let's take this game by the scruff of the neck. We're on a good run of form. You know, Cambridge um, hadn't played at home for a while. Um, had a few players missing. They had a bit of a flu bug going around. They were there for the taking, and for Argyle to play like they did in the first half was really poor. Ryan Lowe in his post-match comments made it clear that he'd, he'd had a, a real go at them in the dressing room, and there was a response. But when you look at the players on the pitch that they had in the second half, you had Cooper and Byron Moore as wing-backs ending the game, two attacking players. You had Sarsavik, you had Mayer, you had um, Joel Grant up front with Biddy Clark. I mean, you, you basically were playing with six attacking players. And they still didn't get a goal and didn't really threaten to get a goal either, barring a couple of uh, late chances in stoppage time. So it, it was disappointing. Um, so they're going to have to do um, quite a bit better than that and get on, a, on another run of form, I suppose. You, you are going to get blips from time to time, any team is. And cliche time, the secret is when you've had a bad result, then you need to go on another little run. And that's what Argyle are going to need to do over Christmas now. Yeah, you obviously an Argyle fan, Jack, disappointed with the result. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, coming off the back of wins against Forest Green and Bradford, you know, hopes raise a little bit. And like we said, League Two is inconsistent, and, and that's what you get. The good thing for Argyle is that most teams in League Two are inconsistent as well. So it's mm. not like they're much further off the playoff pack than they were beforehand. But, you know, Chris is right, they need to, need to respond in the right way, go on a little run. And they've been outside just outside the playoffs for quite a while now. They just need to try and go on a little run just to get just inside there. And I, I think if they're just inside the playoffs come, come January I think that's not a bad position to be in um, we'll talk more about the game on Saturday a bit later but there's definitely incentive to win that one well more than one incentive yeah. I think there's yeah. uh, plenty mm. of reasons isn't there do you think though Chris given the result on Saturday that would have enhanced Ryan Lowe's um, thinking in terms of what he needs to do in January or do you think he's pretty he was pretty set on that front anyway I, I asked him when I saw him after the game, does a, does a result and a performance like this change your thinking anyway to the transfer window? And his comment was, well, we've already got one or two possibly, you know, set up deals already to go. Um, Stryker is, is an interesting one. There's plenty of bodies at the moment, but, but Billy Clark's on a short-term contract. Zach, Zach Ruddon's on loan from Rangers and that ends in January. The best either of those look like getting at the moment is coming off the bench occasionally. Billy Clark came off the bench at Cambridge. Zach Rudden was on the bench, but wasn't used as a substitute. Can, can I really see either of those two players making a big difference in the second half of the season and playing regularly? Probably not, in all honesty. They haven't really shown um, enough to make you think that they're going to get you goals over the second half of the season. So possibly those two players don't come back after January. And then that maybe opens up um, opportunities for, for Ryan Lowe to go and uh, try and get a striker. Getting in a striker in a January transfer window, though, is easier said than done mm. because, you know, what decent striker is going to be available in January for either no fee or a loan or, you know, clubs aren't 
in the habit of giving away decent strikers midway through a season. And also, which other League Two club aren't looking for a striker as well? You know, yeah. apart from maybe Swindon, who might lose theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's not an out-and-out goal scorer in most teams in League Two, so I'm sure a, stri- a striker that can get 20 goals is going to be at the top of most teams' lists, I'd imagine, in January. Well, I think, I think it's interesting in, in the sense that I don't think there are that many quality strikers around at the moment. Mm. I think you look in League Two, I know Doyle's the exception. He's scored mm. a, a hell of a lot of goals this year. But there's not really any other standout strikers for me, really. And I guess, really, you look back at, at the summer when Ryan Lowe obviously wanted to sign Nicky Maynard. And mm. I, think, I think Chris is right, though. I think there's plenty of bodies, but maybe are the players good enough to do what they need to do? I, I'm not so sure. If you're a striker, you've got to come off the bench and make some sort of impact on the game. And I think there's been too many times where there's some strikers have come on the bench. And I know it's not easy. But, you know, I remember Ryan Brunt years and years ago. He came off the bench and started getting goals and he got into the first team. And if you're a striker, especially one like Clark, who's on a short-term contract, or Rudden, who's loan-end, you need to try and come on and make an impact when you get that it's, chance. It's not easy, but those are the, ch- the only chances you're likely yeah, to yeah. get, so you have to make the most of, most of them. And it was interesting listening to uh, Ryan Lowe when we did the podcast with him last week, Stuart, and again after the game on Saturday, he was almost making a plea to his strikers, come on, prove to me that you should be in the team by scoring goals. He's, he's putting the emphasis on those strikers and saying, look, if you want to play, you have to score. Ryan Lowe's not one of those managers that would say, well, I don't mind, it. you know, he's not scoring so many goals because his build-up play is good or is this, that and the other. He wants his strikers to score goals. That's what he was. He was a, yeah. a goal-scoring striker, if that doesn't sound obvious. But some strikers can do a little bit of all sorts of things. Others are just purely there to score goals. Ryan Lowe was one of those. And he wants somebody to go on a run of goals. And... You know, here we are in December and the joint top scorers are a left wing back and a centre midfielder with five and that's not what he wants. But finding strikers who are prolific in front of the net is is not easy, as you rightly say. Stu, you look around A2, there's probably not that many what you'd call prolific strikers at the moment, are there? So... um, Also, the thing is with the Argos at the moment, you've got Don Telford, you've got Joel Grant mm. and you've got Byron Moore who are probably the the, the three top strikers at the moment Mm. at the club. And and then you've got Ryan Taylor, you've got Mm. Zach Rudden, you've got Billy Clark who aren't making much of an impact and are taking up a chunk of wages that you don't really need to be spending. Mm. So... You know, Ryan Taylor's obviously on contract at the end of the season, so he may well may well stay. But you've got the other two. But that's that's free wages there that are almost being wasted. I'm not saying that. I don't mean that to be to be mean, but it's true. They're not coming on. They're not making an impact. I mean, you mentioned um, Ryan Taylor though. He came to Argyle in a in the January transfer window when he wasn't playing any games yeah. at Oxford. Yeah. Now he's not playing games at Argyle. He's on the bench most times, but he's you know he's not coming off the bench. Uh, Billy Clark was chosen ahead of him on on uh, Saturday at Cambridge, for example. So. You know, this is all, you know, hypothesis and speculation and whatever. But say Ryan Taylor thinks, well, I don't really want to spend the next six months of my life sat on a bench travelling around the country. I, I wouldn't mind going somewhere where I'm going to at least play some games. So maybe there's an option that he might. Um, but to have three players like that that aren't really contributing much. Taylor, Rudden, and Clark are not really contributing for whatever reason. They're they're not contributing. So if you if you're Ryan Lowe, then you've got to sort of think about how can we best use our resources to try and improve that situation. So I think even with Joel Grant and um, and, and Byron Moore, they're not out-and-out out strikers no. either, are they? No. I mean, Joel Grant's always been a winger. Mm. So it's, it's asking a lot, really, to expect them to play up front and suddenly become these, a natural goal scorer when they've never done it in their career. Before. It is, and, you know, and Byron Moore spent the second half playing at left wing-back. You know, so there's not many strikers that, or players that start yeah. as a striker and play as a striker for an hour and then end up as a left wing back. He's got that versatility, but again, perhaps not that a natural 
a natural striker. And this, this was always going to be one of the issues, wasn't it? You know, we talked about this at the start of the season. You know, where are the goals going to come from? It was there was lots of question marks about people, and uh, they've shared them around well, but they haven't got somebody that you'd. You know, with five minutes to go at Cambridge, have you got a striker who's really going to be clinical in front? You know, get a chance and put it in the back of the net. And, and they haven't really. They haven't got somebody, I don't think, that if the ball drops them in a six-yard box and you need them to score an equaliser to get your point or you need them to score that winning goal, I'm not sure there's that player in the squad at the moment. And whether you can address that in January is debatable. It might be one of those you, you have to wait till next summer and, uh, and see what you can find then. Yeah, absolutely. It was Ryan made that interesting point to us last week as well, didn't he? Where he said if he was playing in this team, <laughs> he'd be on fifteen goals already by now. And so. that was quite telling, really, when you think about it, because he was a, a goal poacher, and that I think that is quite telling because there is nobody like that in that in that team. I mean, fifteen goals is a is a lot more than the five that they've got at the moment. Yeah, I do. I do also wonder. You know, teams are going to know the situation a lot more now than in August possibly for loan signings from youngsters from Premier League mm. clubs they might be more willing to let people out so I think the loan market may be the way that they yeah. may go because there's, yeah. there's not many loan players in the, in the squad at the moment no so uh, a loan market championship Premier League player is, is definitely a, a possibility isn't it mm. but, um, and as you say it sounds as though he's got a couple of things lined up so um, yeah Watch this space. Watch space. The, yeah. the good thing is that if he needs to, Clark and Rudden can go and it frees up some wages. So that's that's good a good position to sort of be in. They're, they're not locked in having these free strikers at the end of the season with no budget. That would be more of a concern, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, that's another interesting point because, you know, we see a lot of comments on social media and everyone's saying, or not everybody, there, there are a, some people that are saying, you know, Simon Hallett's invested in the grandstand now. Now it's time to invest <laughs> in the team. Yeah. But as you said, Chris, he's not that type of chairman, is he? Well... I think he's made it clear, I've certainly done an interview and, and a story with him where he said that he's, he's all for investing in infrastructure, um, but not so much for investing in, a, in the football team because that, that is an easy way of losing money, spending money on football players and deals don't work out and things like that. He is invested in the infrastructure because he believes that that will generate the extra money that Argyle needs to then be able to put into the first team squad. Uh, so I don't see Argyle... Um, now that Simon Howlett spent eight million pounds of his money, I don't suddenly see him putting lots and lots of money into the to the first team squad. And I've, I've definitely said this on the podcast before. I don't think a club like Plymouth Argyle, I don't think a lead two club should cheat their chairman and owner like a, a cash point. That no. whenever you need some money, you go and uh, you know say, "Well, I want this, I want that." Sometimes, at some point in time, the football club are going to have to stand on their own feet. And let's not just forget the the grandstand. Look at the. The, the infrastructure that's been uh, been made, you know, Neil Dewsnip's coming as a director of football, that's a wage. There's other people that have come into the football club on an extra wage. Um, there's a lot of money being spent at Plymouth Argyle Football Club and at some point the football club have to stand on their own two feet and say, look, this is what we've got, this is the infrastructure we've got. They've got the grandstand effectively open, or nearly open, and then it's down to getting it right on the pitch and I think Simon Howard's done more than enough. He's been extremely generous to the football club in, in building them a, a fantastic grandstand, which I know we're going to talk on and talk about a bit later in the podcast. So, Also, I would say as well, taking it away from Simon Haller, I don't think it's wise in League 2 to be spending a lot of money. I don't think you need to spend a lot of money to get out of it. We mentioned this before in the podcast. Some of the teams with the best budgets in League 2 are struggling at the moment and not doing particularly well. Some of the teams with the lowest budgets are up. In the playoffs, I don't think you need to spend lots of money to get out of League Two. And look at the mess it left Berry in. 
you know, it's, yeah. it's all well and good. Argyle mm. fans say, and fans all over the country will be mm. saying the same thing. You know, let's spend money, let's spend money. And then when a club like Berry goes through what it's going through, and a club like Macclesfield's going through what it goes through, fans are saying, oh well, I'm, you know, I'm glad our club aren't going through that. Well, they're not going through that because they're not spending stupid money. Mm. And you, it's a fine line, and, you've, and people have got to take a step back and realise that sometimes. Yeah, one player that could come in January, of course, is George Cooper. We we believe that there's a, a deal lined up for him or his loan deal to be made permanent in January. Um, he came on and made a difference on Saturday, Chris. Yeah, he's, a, he's an interesting one, George Cooper, because anyone who's seen him play for Argyle can see he's, he's clearly a talented player. He's got a, a championship League One pedigree. He's playing in League Two. Um, we put the curse on him by giving him the Plymouth Live Argyle Player of the Month for October, and uh, he's not started a game since. <laughs> so um, through circumstances, and that's sometimes the way things work out in football, not always through your fault you lose your, your place in the team. He played in the EFL trophy game against Chelsea. Then Argyle went up to Bolton in the FA Cup, um, brought Danny Meyer back into the team and, and things went well and George Cooper hasn't been able to get back into the team. He played as a right wing back on the second half on Saturday and he, he definitely made a difference. He gave Argyle a bit more drive, a bit more creativity. It was interesting, Ryan Lowe said afterwards that, you know, where do, where's his best position? Where do I get him into the team? The wing-backs have been doing well, and they have been, certainly prior to Saturday. Do I play him in the centre midfield position? But, you know, Sarsavik and Mayer have been doing... Where do I, where do I fit, it, fit him in? And the one thing he did mention as well, which I thought was interesting, that he said defensively he's not quite as switched on as I would like. And that's the problem with possibly playing George Cooper at right wing-back or left wing-back, but probably more so right wing-back, is... Do you trust him? Is he going to be able to do the defensive side? Because there'd be no doubt that going forward, he'd be able to put the crosses in, he'd have the pass. He'd, going forward, there'd be absolutely no problem with playing George Cooper there. But are you going to go with somebody like Joe Edwards, who perhaps doesn't have that same creativity, but will give you that up and down and, and a bit more security um, on the defensive side of things? So where you work George Cooper into this Argyle starting lineup is is a really difficult question I, I think and certainly with his performance on Saturday he merits very serious consideration to be playing against Morecambe on Saturday but <laughs> what position Jack? It's, it's tough I mean I've, I've got to be honest I'm, so, I'm surprised the last couple of games that Conor Grant's come in rather mm. than George Cooper I think Conor Grant came on against Bristol Rovers he's been off, out for a long time I, mean, I suppose he needs to get his chance at some point um, but George Cooper for me might, maybe should have come on mm. and yeah so that, I'm a bit surprised when Conor Grant started didn't he on, um, yeah. on Saturday so that maybe surprised me a little bit but it's, it's a weird one I can't believe I'll go in a position where they don't know how to get a player like George Cooper into the team you mm. know God, <laughs> any time over the last three years he would have got into any team we probably had and it's, it, is, it says something that we can't, we can't get him in I've said, I've said quite a few times on this podcast and I still stand by it though if he doesn't get much more game time, I can't see him staying in mm. January because why would you? He's, he's left Peterborough to get football and if he's not getting football, why is he going to extend his stay? It's, it's a tough one. I, I would like to see him start, but of course Chris is quite right. Edwards has done a good job and so is McFadden on the other side. But he would, he would definitely be my first choice if one of them are out over anyone else. But not in that you wouldn't have him in the starting 11? Or... It, it is tough. I, whilst... What, it seems crazy to say that George Cooper shouldn't be in the Argyle starting eleven he because he's been he's been superb. And every time I've seen him play, he's he's done well. And it's but and Sarsavik hadn't upped his game. I mean, Sarsavik's been outstanding this season. It's not you know Danny Mayer's a name on his own. Sarsavik, I would argue, is possibly not. But he's Sarsavik's been for me 
the basically player of the season so far. So he's done incredibly well to keep George Cooper out. And I find it hard to say that I wouldn't start him up because I think in terms of when I've seen him, he's been one of the best players I've seen. But it's tough at the moment. Maybe, maybe, maybe in for a wing back. Yeah, May's not done. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe May needs some time on the bench and needs to up his game a bit more. It's it's tough, isn't it? It, it really, you know, we're struggling, and it must be half a Ryan low who sees him every day on the training ground because he knows what George Cooper can do. He, he he brought him in because he knows what he can do, and it must be frustrating for him that he can't find a place in the team as well. It's 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 a bizarre one. It's one of those where a manager wishes he could play twelve players. Instead <laughs> of 11, <laughs> I, I'd wonder though whether Argyle ever had such a talented player not being able to get into the team, not for a long time, I mm. imagine. Yeah, well, it's, it's almost like, you know, 12 months ago we were talking about how does Derek Adams get mm. um, Graham Carey and Jeremy yeah, Ramirez into the same yeah. team and he, he found a way in the end, didn't he? So, yeah. Well, welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Um, Chris, you were up at Home Park yesterday um, in the new Mayflower stand watching yes. the Argyle ladies take on Watford. That sounded like a, a thrilling game. Yes, um, if you didn't catch up with that, the Argyle ladies were playing a, a top-of-the-table game against Watford. They're in the FA Women's National League Southern Premier Division, which is like the third tier of, of women's football. Um, went partly along so I could have a look around the grandstand and see what it was like with fans inside inside there. But I also saw um, a couple of ladies' games uh, in, over the past couple of seasons and enjoyed them. And I have to say that I thought um, it was a great game of football. Uh, Argyle lost 5-4, but they led 2-0. 3-2, then fought back to 4-4 and then conceded a goal quite late on. It was a great game of football, uh, well played to all the girls. I thought they gave a really good account of themselves. There was a crowd of 800. It was extremely chilly on Sunday afternoon. Uh, I suspect the weather might have put a few uh, people off from going. But um, great game of football, so well done to Dave Leonard and all, all his players. There's some fantastic goals. Um, uh, there was a, a great free kick from Helen Blessard. Um, uh, Bo Jackson scored with a fantastic strike. There was, there was some great goals. It was a great game of football. Really enjoyed it. And uh, the ladies play at Manadon Sports Hub, their, their home games. Um, if you're ever around and free on a Sunday afternoon and you're not sure what to do, go and see them because they, they, they really play some good football. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And... Uh, like I say, it was a chance to have a look around the grandstand and, and it was interesting. I've been fortunate because I've been up there a few times and John Back, the head of operations, has given me a little bit of a tour around. Stu, you came up last week um, for the podcast with, with Ryan Lowe, so you had a little bit of an insight in. It was fascinating watching the fans, you know, going in and, you know, their, their expressions. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, just, just getting used to, I suspect a lot of them were, were fans that used to sit in the grandstand and were now back and this is a bit different and what's you know this so it was it was good to see how it um how it worked so yeah i i, I thoroughly enjoyed it i must admit and what do you make of the new stand i i think you know it's it's a fantastic facility for the club to have i think the corporate um side of it although as football fans instinctively you're perhaps not mad keen on the corporate side of things but it is going it should generate that additional money that Argyle need to invest in the team. I thought it looked great, um, the, the conference hospitality side of things looked really nice. Um, upstairs in the, the upper concourse, it's a little bit tight for space, um, but it always was before the, the redevelopment. Uh, I think, you know, at half time, there's gonna be a few queues in the, 
bit of congestion up around there, but I'm sure if Argyle steward that properly, they can prevent too many problems from coming in. Uh, but there's a nice bar area at the far end of the upper concourse where people can go. There is a lot more space though outside of the ground and people can mill around and it's just nice to see that lower part of the grandstand with seats in and, and actually people sat there. Uh, I think it, it looks smart. Uh, what it did confirm is that it, you will get wet if you sit in the lower tier and if you get heavy rain. Um, I suppose that's no real great surprise that happened in the old days when it was just the terrace and when temporary seats were there but uh, I think Argyle have got something that's way way better than they had before and I think the aim was to try and keep something with character but with 21st century facilities and I think Argyle have done that and the key to it now is making that hospitality, conference, whatever you want. They've got to drive the money and get as much money as they can out of that because that's the way the football club will benefit. But, um, yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. I mean, the, the game on Saturday against Morecambe, which we'll talk about in a, in a second, that would be like the first proper occasion. <laughs> I don't know that was when we interrupted that. <laughs> that would be the first proper occasion when the fans will, will turn out in numbers. Like I say, there was about 800 there on... Well, not about. There was exactly 800 fans on on Saturday, so I look forward to seeing Home Park well full for the uh, the game against Morecambe. Were those eight hundred fans all in the the May Yeah, or were they? yeah. So on both tiers. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that was. I liked it. I, I think it's it's great. You know, could could things have been done better? Yeah, of course they could have, but they would have cost more money. And yeah, you know, that did cost eight million pounds. That's no small change, is it? And again, going back to Simon Hallett, without him, Argyle wouldn't have anything anywhere near as good as that it's 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 a really good facility and yes you know there's one or two things that in an ideal world you'd change it's a bit like ryan lowe said to us last week during the podcast that he wouldn't have minded the dressing room to be yeah. a bit bigger but that was the money that's what you've got i think for the money that's been spent yeah it's an awful lot of money but the facilities are are excellent also, you know, Sam Hallett came in when the plans already been made, some of them, hadn't he? Yes. I mean, it, was, it, was, it wasn't a Sam yeah. Hallett from start to end, his way or the whole way. No. So there was that it's sort of transition the period. Way, yeah, definitely. And also, you know, I think if any fans are maybe moaning a little bit about lack of space, I think you know, the, main, the main point of this was the, 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 mm. the, the money-making side of it. And again, if fans want money to be generated, to be spent on the team, there mm. has to be ways to do that. Yeah. And, you know, the facilities are better than what they were before. I mean, mm. those wooden seats that used to be there were awful. I don't know how people sat on them for so long. Mm. But they're better. It may, it's, not gonna, it's not a Premier League ground. It's not, of course it's not, but it's much better than what it was before. Hopefully it will generate money, and that's, that's the benefit. And hopefully the team will see, see benefits from that in the future. I mean, what did you think, Stu? I mean, you know, it, it was, we have a little look around, and it's, it's, yeah. it's quite roomy, it's quite a decent size, isn't it? The yeah, of space. So, yeah, I, mean, I, I like the way it had been designed as well. I like the fact that there's the players' lounge at the end, and mm. it's near the changing rooms, and yeah. you know, there's been a lot of thought that's gone into the actual layout of, of mm. the new stand. Um, the boardroom was very nice, wasn't it? Like, I, mean, <laughs> it was. I went in with my bottle of water and I was scared to put it on the table because I didn't, didn't want to leave a mark. But um, yeah. I, I have to say, the outside with the lights looks fantastic. Looks that looks I've, good, I've, yeah. I've only seen it from pictures. I've not mm. seen it in person, so I can't wait mm. um, for the Bristol, Bristol Rovers replay when it's mm. all lit up. Mm. I'm, I was a bit concerned that... I never really saw the outside coming together too much mm. and that all of a sudden it looks complete and that, that bit where it says Mayflower and all the lights mm. are there that looks you know when you look at the plans and look at that mm. that looks exactly like it said mm. on the plans and I'm, I'm really impressed by that and I think if you're an away fan especially when you come into a League 2 and hopefully next season League 1 maybe if you're an away fan coming to that ground it's pretty impressive you know of course it's not like 
Manchester City's ground or Spurs' new ground, but I'm impressed by that grandstand from the outside. I think it looks incredible. I think that was important as well because I think without the the signage and the lighting and the way it's done, aesthetically speaking, I didn't think it looked particularly nice. It looked mm. like a mm. a bit of a corrugated iron type shed, really. But that really sort of brings the mm. whole stand to life. I think and yeah. so it brings it all together. And I think yeah. it, along with the Green Taverners Suite, I think it looks like a really really nice part now. And I went to watch a, a concert at the Green Taverners Suite last oh, yeah. week, mm. and I was walking past with some friends that aren't football fans and they were impressed by it as well you know and if you can bring people to the club that aren't football fans for different activities like I know Argyle are putting on or the Home Park are putting on I should say then that's fantastic yeah I do think the Green Taverners suite really is something that's that is something for Argyle fans to be proud of and because of the way it's the cladding and everything like that it's all uniform and it all all looks the whole south side of the stadium looks a lot better you've got a lot more space out, out the back of that the car park will evolve, I presume, over years, uh, time to come. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good facility. I think that the vast majority of people that either look from the outside or get the chance to go inside to the grandstand will be really impressed. You can't please everybody all the time. And there's, there's you know, one or two things that you, in an ideal world you might have done differently. But that was the money. That's what they spent it on. And I think it's, uh, I think all credit to everyone involved have done a really good job. And also what building work doesn't have things that yeah. if you could do it again, maybe things would be a little bit different. Yeah. Any building, any amount of money, you'd always have that. Indeed. And let's just say it'll be used for the first time properly on Saturday when yes. uh, Morecambe arrive at Home Park. And a man you guys know very well yes. returns to Home Park, Derek Adams. What sort of reaction do you think he'll get, Jack? I think he'll get a good reaction. I think it was it was right for him to leave in the end. I, I think it, it didn't really work out as as people had hoped. But looking back, you know, he did a great thing for the club. He got I'll go up into League One, borderline of the playoffs in League One in a season when not many expected that. On a, on a budget that's probably not as good as it is now, I'd imagine. You know, and he, and he got some good players in. He did a lot for the club. He obviously was around for a lot of this grandstand sort of talk and whatnot so it's quite nice as well that he's going to be back for the opening of mm. that I think he'll get a good reaction overall it's, it's exciting because it's made you know a home game against Morecambe normally with just before Christmas it's, it's, <laughs> it's not exactly anything to get your hopes up too much about you know but this gives the game a bit of spice yeah, and I'm looking forward to that yeah yeah I, I hope he gets a good reaction I, I expect him to as well um, again you can't please all the people all the time but I think over the, you look at his time at the football club as a whole and Derek Adams did a tremendous job, um, improved the club in lots of ways without necessarily having the same sort of amount of funds that, that, that uh, Ryan Lowe's had to work with in terms of the infrastructure and things like that. And you look at all the improvements that have been made. So I think he, he did a great job. Um, look forward to him coming back to Home Park. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, like Jack says, it's football irony, isn't it? You know, Derek Adams was at the football club for so long with that grandstand work going on and standing in front of the hoarding and, and then the first time you have the, the first Argyle home league game with it open and, and Derek Adams is back again. So it sort of it almost feels appropriate, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. You know, so, um, yeah, as, as, as again, as Jack says, you know, getting this close to Christmas, it's sometimes a bit difficult to get people to come in through the gates when they've got Christmas shopping and all the other million and one things we all have to do at this time of year. But uh, Derek Adams and more can come in. It just makes it that a little bit more appealing. The grandstand, I'm sure there'll be lots of people wanting to get a good look around as well. So I think it'll be a pretty decent crowd on Saturday, to be honest. And, and, and with football, it's all a bit pantomime anyway when a, mm. when a manager leaves. Mm. You know, I remember when Tony Pulis left. 
I remember when Ian Holloway left, I couldn't get to the away games quick enough to see them for the first time and, and shout a few boos out because it's just part of the panto. Mm. Not because I didn't like them, it's just mm. that's part of the fun. Ian Holloway, I was a bit more annoyed at for obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, that, that, that's the thing about football fans, it is, it is part of the theatrics of football, yeah, you know. And that's why I think a lot of fans will come to see this game. And you know, we'll all be hoping on, from an Argyle persuasion that we batter Morecambe because that's what you well, that's what you want in football but most people will hope that Derek Adams does well at Morecambe you know so it's, it's not an easy place to go and we'll wish him well for everything he did for the club yeah well how, how do you think he'll do at Morecambe I mean as you say they're bottom of the league at the moment I don't think he's won a league game since he's gone in there it's, I, it's a tough job to especially to follow on from someone like Jim Bentley who'd been there for yeah. So long as well. I've got to be honest, you know, we, I think most of us were surprised when he took the job. I'm, I'm yeah. surprised he took the job. Uh, you know, maybe it's, it's tough as a manager because I guess the, the dilemma is do, how long do I wait before taking a job before I'm one of these in a long list of managers that have not been seen of since. That being said, a number of jobs come up just a few weeks after that I thought Derek Hams would be perfect for. Yeah, Morecambe, there's, well. n- there's not going to be many funds at Morecambe. It's going to be a tough job. What, apart from not get relegated, what can you do, what can you do to sort of boost your CV at that club I think it's a, it's a club where more likely you, you've got a chance of getting relegated and it will do damage to your club it's, it's not easy and it takes how can I say this about I can't say the, it takes cojones to, uh, to take a, to take a <laughs> job of, to take a to take a job of that standing for non-Spanish speakers what does that mean Jack balls <laughs> We're going to get a sense of now. It, it, it does, you know, because he, he had a good CV yeah, yeah. going there. He, he knew that wouldn't be an easy job. His reputation is on the line there. It could go one of two I, ways. I always think back to when Paul Sturrock came back to Argyle the second time, you know. I, I think it was such a brave move on his part because Argyle were probably as high as they had hit their ceiling, really. They were just outside or in the playoffs, I think, mm, for the championship. Were. Yeah, they were. To take them that next step further is like... Derek Adams trying to take Morecambe into League One almost, you know. I think that Morecambe's ceiling is a lower league, League Two club. I mean, don't get me wrong, if he, if he can somehow get them into the playoffs, you know, I mean, people wouldn't have said that back at Accrington a few years ago. If, if he can get them to the playoffs and your CV suddenly looks incredible. Oh, but absolutely. I think the chance of that are so tough. It's a bit like Scottish football as well, you know, if you're a manager of Celtic or Rangers, for me, the only way you can do well is if you do well in Europe because the rest mm. is all, yeah. that is what you're expected to do. I mean, don't forget, he, he was a manager at Ross County for a long time and they were a Scottish third division side in the Highlands that had never really got to any great extent and people would have said well what can you achieve there and he got them into the Scottish Premiership now I'm not saying that Morecambe are suddenly going to be in League One or the Championship under Derek Adams but um, I I admire him for taking on the challenge that would have been an easy one to to say no I'll wait for the next job to come along but as Jack rightly says there's lots of managers out there who have probably waited for the perfect job to come along and it's never come along and they've never got back in the game. Yeah. Um, there are only 92 jobs as, as such and there's lots more people than 92 wanting them. So um, they, it will take time for any manager to implement his style of play. Um, we know that Derek Adams has got a particular style of play that he likes. I don't know if Morecambe squad's got the, the players in it that are able to do that. He... You know, he might have to be busy in January to try and do something with it, although, again, resources might not be, uh, you know, readily available to him. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough... Any time you're the manager of Morecambe in the Football League, it's going to be a difficult job because you are, you know... You're up against it, aren't you? You're up against it. There's clubs with spending a lot more money than you are and you've just got to make the best of your resources. And uh, I, I think Derek Adams is a very good football manager and I think he'll keep them up, but... 
I could see it being quite difficult because he's not going to have much of an opportunity to put his stamp on that team this season. I think the objective for, for them will be to stay out this season and then maybe for him to bring in some of his his own players next summer and, yeah. and see if they can you know make a push mid-table playoffs I mean, they might benefit from the fact only one team go down this season you know you, you never that know. could be a saving grace for him I mean one thing I will say though is I'm sure you I mean you know Derek has better than I do Chris he's not going to want to lose this game on Saturday I'm sure he's a very proud man no he he's, will be I'm sure Joy would even be happy with he's not going to want to go, there, to, go to Argyle and get beat that's for sure no. I think Argyle are going to struggle to break them down on Saturday he will be working really hard to make sure that Morecambe are hard to break this will be yeah. like this will be like what for him bringing Morecambe to Argyle, I'm not saying this to big Argyle, but in the, in the battle sense, I think it'll be he'll play in a similar way where when he took Argyle to play Liverpool. Absolutely, that's the same sort that of tactic, style. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. I well, think that's why it'll that, be a struggle for Argyle. And that tactic worked that well. Yeah, that, I mean at Anfield that day, Liverpool didn't really have too many clear cut chances in that game, and uh, I, he can he can set teams up to be very difficult to break down away from home, and we've seen that at Argyle. Mm. Um, and Argyle benefited from that lots of times and as we said earlier on in the podcast Argyle perhaps haven't got the attacking players always that are able to convert chances and get goals and things like that and he'll be looking at and thinking well if we can keep if we can defend solidly and keep them out there's every chance you can always nick a goal on the break set piece counter-attack things like that can't you so um, I mean you know frustrate Argyle I'm sure there'll be a few yellow cards on Saturday mm-hmm. it's also interesting that Derek Adams is not the most mild-mannered person in the dugout and the dugouts are very close <laughs> together so that's going to be interesting I'm sure the fourth official will have a, have a, a bit of work cut out it's great I mean look we've spent what five ten minutes talking about uh, an Argyle Morecambe game where normally you wouldn't yeah. got too worked up about it it adds that extra bit of theatre extra bit of uncertainty you know you know that Derek Adams is going to be desperate for his team to do well how do Argyle overcome that it's yeah, it makes it an, an intriguing game, doesn't it? I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward yeah. to it as well, yeah. Do you think he'll keep him up, Jack? I think he, I think he will, based on the fact that only one team will go. I, I think they could be in second bottom. I think, that's, I think his target will be, let's just not finish bottom. Yeah. That, that could be their saving grace this season. But, you know, he's, he, he's got quite, quite a few contacts in the game. There are some, you know, he's got a history of working with players he's worked with before, some of whom aren't at clubs at the moment. January's coming up. Anything could happen as long as he's within touch and distance of safety, which I'm sure he will be. He'll be looking forward to the job for the second half of the season. Yeah, indeed. Right, chaps, we'll leave it at that. Thanks ever so much for joining me. Thank you, Stu. Thanks to you guys out there for listening. We'll be back with more of the same next week. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account at Herald PAFC or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.